morning. Welcome once again to the Sunday Morning Digital Cathedral. Glad to have you with me. Hope you had a good week, having a wonderful Sunday morning. You've grabbed a cup of coffee and you're ready to get into God's Word and study a little bit. We're in a, in a short series on manifesting as sons, how sons manifest. I was going to do this in a two-part series, but the way it's working out, I've got so much to say and so much material to present that this week I just decided I'm going to take my time. And this might take four weeks, maybe five weeks. I'm not sure. I'm just going to work my way through it because <clears throat> manifesting is a big word today. It's a huge word. Even in secular circles, there are lots of seminars. There are YouTubes that are popping up. Uh, weekend conferences, and they're all about manifesting, how to get in life what you want out of life. And I'm speaking uh, particularly about quantum physics and metaphysics. And let me just say right up front, I'm not against quantum physics. I'm not against metaphysics. I read both. I'm not an expert in either one, but I have read enough quantum physics. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm nowhere in the league with my friend Steve McVeigh. But I, I'm, I'm generally familiar with, with what quantum physics is. I, I believe that it is the science of the kingdom. I really do. And I think we can learn a lot from quantum physics. And I think that we can learn a lot from metaphysics as well. And I, I read some metaphysical writers now and then, especially if I'm just relaxing and <clears throat> just want to take in some information that's not like I would normally read. I, I, I'll pick up a book. And I've tell you the truth. They do contain a certain level uh, a degree of truth. I don't think there's any there's any getting around that on teaching us how to manifest. And when I speak about manifesting, I'm speaking about making something evident for everybody to see, making something plain and, and visible. Uh, generally, it's a need that we have that is met. And when it when the need is met, it manifests. <clears throat> so quantum and meta uh, are good at bringing out some ways to try to do this. Whether it's your health, your finances, whatever the need might be that you, you have. It, but let me just say this, if, if a system of manifesting is not Christ-centered, which is really the only bone I have to pick with people like Joe Dispenza, and I didn't <laughs> kind of throw any names out, but he's a, he's a popular one, and, he, and, he, and I've read a lot of Joe's things, watched his YouTube videos, and the man does have some things that I think are extremely valid, as do other um, quantum writers. And if you listen to Steve McVeigh and his group, Steve says tremendous things, and Steve is so founded in grace and scripture that he's, never, he's not going to lead you wrong in anything he says. So I, I hardly endorse everything that Steve McVeigh says. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm a member and have been ever since he started of his of his morning quantum group but uh i i would just i would just say this if the one promoting the quantum or the meta is not christ centered then i would walk gingerly around it because what we're we're talking about in this series as how to manifest as a son we're talking about a christocentric approach on how to manifest the kingdom. The one thing that I've noticed about quantum physics and metaphysics as it's presented is generally it's about meeting the needs that you have in your life. And that's, that's not entirely what manifesting as a son of God is about. 
Manifesting as a son of God often is about meeting the needs of other people. And so there is, there is a little bit of line of distinction there, and I'm not saying all quantum and all meta is that way because there, there are a lot of uh, metaphysical practitioners that are involved in healing and doing things for other people. But in coming through a lot of the, the teaching and the videos and, and watching what has been presented, I see that a lot of it, and that nothing wrong with that. We all have needs and we need to get them met. But it's much more self-centered where uh, manifesting as a son of God is much more other-centered and your needs are met automatically in meeting the needs of others. That's, that's what Jesus demonstrated. You don't see Jesus asking anywhere or trying to, to manifest for himself uh, healing or to get his needs met. But he did go about doing good and healing that, all that were oppressed from every adversarial contrary force that he encountered. Now, this is, this is where we're going. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19, familiar verse, a lot of us know it. Romans 8, 19 says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. All of creation is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. The word sons there is the word weos. It means a mature son. So I'm in, this, I'm in this series that I've really been motivated to do. I've wanted to do this for a long time. I've wanted to do a series that was short and compact and to the point that you could get your head around and see two things. First of all, how a son of God walked, how they lived. And second of all, what the mind of a manifested son looked like. All right, so I've got two areas that I'm working on. Right now, we're just on this first part of how to walk or how, how does it look? What, what does being a manifested son of God look like? And if you were with me last week, I went through four or five questions about what do you think of when you think of manifested God? What do you visualize? What does a manifested son of God do? And more importantly, how do you begin to manifest as a son of God? So we're going to look at some of those things in some of those areas and when we look at being a manifested son of God, I think that we look at the life of Jesus because Jesus is absolutely the pattern son. And Jesus developed in his sonship. Jesus was, but he also became. He was a son of God, but he also developed and became a son of God. I think when the scripture says that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and with man, both hand on both, both dimensions, I think that, that it's really addressing the idea that there was a development that went on in the life of Jesus. And certainly with you and me, there is also a development that goes on. In, in, in fact, Paul said, the same Paul that revealed that Christ was in us, remember that was his message when we came through studying the four books, his message to the Gentiles was Christ in you Gentiles, the hope of glory. But having said that, he also said, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. You'll notice I'm, I'm still learning to, to navigate my new American Standard Bible, so I'm, the, the pages are a little still sticky. Stick with me, it's okay. He said in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, he said, my little children, and, and the word children there is the word technon. That's not a fully matured son. The word weos is a fully matured son. Technon 
A techno would be somewhat what we would call a teenager. You know, all the vacillation, emotions, the hormonal uh, uh, ups and downs that teenagers experience. So he's talking to, to teenagers. He's talking to technots. He said, my little teenagers, he said, of whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Now, that's, that's an amazing statement to me because he said Christ is in you, and yet there is a forming of Christ that takes place. And as I said, the word children there is the word technon, and a technon is always undergoing development in life. That's just part of, of the process. And the word formed is the word morpho, M-O-R-P-H-O-O, -O, and it means to shape or to mold. Christ was in them. There's no question about it. Christ is in all. That, that was Paul's revelation. Christ is in all men, but there is a process of, of morpho. We get the word metamorphosis from it. Let me see if I can just make it easy to understand. Metamorphosis is the process whereby a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. It climbs into the cocoon, and while it's in that cocoon, it, tra it transforms. It, there's a metamorphosis. It became something that it wasn't before. That's what metamorphosis is. So what, what Paul is saying here, he said, I, I'm working with you. He said, I'm praying for you. I'm sending you this letter. All the communication, the time I spend with you is to help you morpho, to move from a, a, a natural man to a spirit man. That's, that's the metamorphosis that you and I are undergoing. And when we, as we undergo that process, the end target is to come into full manifestation as the sons of God. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 8, while you're right there, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, it says this, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And the word sons there is not, is not technon, it's the word weos. The mature sons are led by the Spirit of God. Paul's, Paul was, was praying and working with, with those in, in uh, Galatia. He said that Christ would be formed in them. And while, when Christ was formed in them, as he's formed progressively, then we are led by the Spirit of God. That's what, that's what a manifested son is led by. He's led by the Spirit of God. We, we read on in verse 16, and he says, The Spirit himself testifies, and I keep wanting to say bears witness because that's what New King James says, and I'm so familiar with it. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And again, he uses that word technon. So you can see the development that Paul is talking about between verses 16 and 14. Verse 16, he's addressing them as teenagers. But in verse 14, he's saying, guys, here's what we want to do. We want to be led by the Spirit of God as mature sons. So Jesus, I think, underwent the same process. I think Jesus the man, the flesh man, I think it's only fair to say that Jesus underwent the same process as, as he matured. So last week, the first week in this little, this little compact series, we hit the first of three things that Jesus possessed, that we possess, that we're going to have to bring into maturity. We're going to have to develop if we're to manifest as a son of God, as a, as a weas, as Jesus did. Several times Jesus was referred to as weas. There was one time 
in, uh, in the temple when he was 12 that he was referred to as a technon, which is a 12-year-old is, is coming into being a teenager. And that's how Jesus was addressed in that particular passages of scripture as a technon. So I know that Jesus developed from a technon to a weos. And as he developed in that process, there are, there are three very distinct features in Jesus' life that you and I possess. We, we have them. We may not have them in their fullness, which I don't think we, we do. We're in that process. We're, we're going from being uh, children, what he said in verse 16. We're going from being, uh, in Romans 8, 16, uh, we're going uh, from the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we're the children from that assurance to where we are led by the Spirit in verse 14 as mature sons. So there's three things. The first thing we talked about last week was the mind of Christ. Jesus, the man, matured in possessing the mind of Christ. Jesus did not fully have the mind of Christ when he was 12 years old, when he was 15, when he was 18, when he was 21. He did not fully have the mind of Christ. It, it developed in him. The mind reveals to us, the mind of Christ reveals to us as we grow into it, it reveals to us all that we are and all that we've always had, but we weren't aware of it. The mind of Christ brings to our mind, our remembrance, what we've always possessed. Do you know that's really what revelation is? We call it revelation knowledge. We think it's something, man, we never knew before, that this is a huge new discovery. It's not a new discovery. Revelation is a bringing to your remembrance of what you have always had and who you have always been. We are, we are on a journey of discovery. We call it revelation because we think it's, it's startlingly new news. It's not new news. It's a bringing back from memory of who we always were. So Jesus, Jesus, Jesus developed in that. He recognized it. Here's something I stumbled on this week that I really had not noticed in this light before. But since I'm on this, this uh, jag right now, let me, let me read this to you from John chapter 17 and verse 24. Jesus said, Father, and this is the prayer Jesus was praying. Remember that, that great prayer of John 17? He said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. Now here's the statement that tells me that Jesus was also remembering from the past who he was. Because Jesus said this, he said, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus, the flesh man, existed in Christ's form before the foundation of the world. And Jesus said that the Father loved him before the foundation of the world. Now, come on, guys. The flesh Jesus was not in manifestation before the foundation of the world, yet the Father loved him. So Jesus was pulling up that love, that remembrance of the love that the Father had for him. He was fully aware and cognizant of it at that point. And it, it, it's so important that also we understand that. We understand that the Father, this is what the mind of Christ will reveal to you. It'll bring back to your remembrance how much the Father loved you 
even before the foundation of the world. And that is so important for us to get down because that, that makes us secure in our, in our position. Knowing that you have always been loved, that from the get-go, there was never a time that you were not loved. There was never a time that the Father did not accept you. There was never a time that you were not part of the beloved. Never, ever, ever, never. So you, we see, this is part of the process of going from the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children to where now we're, we're being led by the spirit as mature sons. So I, I really want that mind of Christ. I want you to know that you have the mind of Christ and that mind of Christ is developing in you. As the mind of Christ develops, it's going to give you revelation, what you think is revelation. What that revelation is, as it was with Jesus, is going to be a pulling up of an understanding that the Father always loved you even before the foundation of the world. All right? Now that brings us to the second thing that Jesus secured for himself that you and I must also secure if we're going to manifest as sons of God. All right? I'm trying to make this compact, trying to make this easy to understand down on street level for you, okay? Because this is the only way I understand it too. Make it simple. Second thing that Jesus had was a sense of authentic identity, a sense of authentic identity. The Christ identity in the human Jesus was secured when he was baptized in water. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that scripture for you because I want you to see that the human Jesus had secured for himself uh, a full understanding of his identity as a son. Let, so let's look at the baptism of Jesus in Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized, and while he was praying, heaven was opened. So here comes the revelation. And the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in a bodily form like a dove, and a voice out of heaven said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The father didn't say that on the basis of all the miracles that Jesus did, because at that point, Jesus hadn't done any miracles. He didn't say that based on all the, all the magnificent teachings that Jesus had done, because at that point, Jesus had not done the Sermon on the Mount. He had not done, he had not done revelatory teaching. He had not grabbed a hold of great spiritual truth and brought it to the forefront. At that point in the life of Jesus, he had done absolutely zero, nada, nilch, nothing. And it was the Father coming to him and saying, you're my son. He he was bringing to Jesus, the human Jesus, the understanding, and I think it was the Christ mind, and you know, we go through some metaphorical truth here, and I, whether an actual dove flew out of heaven and lit on Jesus, and uh, the literal cumulonimbus cloud separated, and there was an audible voice, but it all happened within, within the consciousness of Jesus, absolutely, for sure, and the assurance came before he done anything, that he was a beloved son. And that, that is so important. We all need to know this. This has got to be, this has got to become part of our nature. Guys, this is where grace has taken us. Because we've tapped into this favor of God that we didn't deserve, we didn't earn, we didn't merit, we didn't jump through hoops to get it, we didn't meet requirements for it to be poured on us. The Father made a sovereign decision to, to, to embrace us, to call us sons. We have, got, we have got to know 
that he is just as pleased with us as a son or a daughter. This authentic identity is important. As he was with Jesus before Jesus did anything. A lot of you watching me on the Digital Cathedral, you, I, I know sometimes you probably feel, because I feel it in myself, like, man, I have done nothing. I look at the life of Jesus and the exploits and the miracles and the water walking and the multiplication of food, and what have I done? I've done nothing. And yet the Father comes to Jesus before he did any of that. And so he's, the Father's speaking to us this morning through our Christ consciousness, through the mind of Christ. And he's saying to you, I'm, I'm pleased with you. I love you, man. I embrace you. I, you, you, haven't, you haven't done a miracle. That's fine. It has nothing to do with your sonship. It has nothing to do with your daughterhood. It has nothing to do with the, with the position you hold before me. I take you just like you are. And I speak to you and I say I'm well pleased with you. That's, that's grasping authentic identity. In fact, I, I came to a realization a, a few months ago, and I should have come to it a long time ago, but the realization I came to was that I was a son way before I was ever a Christian. I was a son way before I was ever a Christian. And with that little revelation came this truth. It's not my confession of him that made me a son. It's his confession of me. It's not me embracing him. It's him embracing me. It's not me accepting him. It's him, his acceptance of me. That's what, that's what gives me the assurance of sonship and gives me an understanding of authentic identity. So let's, let's hit a couple of those verses that, we, that we've read and, and just for highlights sake. Ephesians chapter 1 this is what the Father says about you. Here's his, here's his testimony about you. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 says this. The Father says to you that I predestined you to adoption as a son through Jesus Christ to myself according to the good pleasure of my will. That's his confession over you this morning. He spoke that through Paul. Paul got the revelation that he had been a son before he ever saw Jesus. Remember what he said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, 16? That when it pleased the father who separated him from his mother's womb to reveal the Christ that was in him, right? That he might preach Christ among the Gentiles. Christ was in there long before Paul ever recognized it. Paul just came to a realization. And as the mind of Christ revealed to him, all of a sudden he began to see his authentic identity that he had always possessed. And I think that was mind-blowing to Paul. I mean, the guy was a, was a Jew with a tremendous religious background, but it caught him. Now, why you and I haven't caught it as quick as Paul is because of the grooming that we've had as a dustman. Religion has really groomed us well. Society, culture, parents, education has all groomed us as a dustman, just as a natural man. And this natural man now is undergoing a lot of change. It's, we're, we're, we're moving from what, I think it's uh, Romans chapter eight, verse nine, that says we are moving from, an, from natural man to spirit man. That's the progression. So to, to manifest as a son of God requires then that we move with the mind of Christ and we get a, break, a, a, a real embrace, an understanding, a, a, a deep, and let me just say revelation, of what our authentic identity is. Being Jesus, the human, did not detract from his Christness or his divinity. Jesus was the Christ. It was Jesus the Christ. 
you being Billy, Susie, Mary, uh, Fred, um, Annabelle, whoever you are, you're the human. But that does not distract from your divinity or your Christness. Your, your authentic identity is absolutely divinity. When God created you in his image, and you're developing in his likeness, and he, uh, Genesis 2-7, he breathed into you the breath of life. He breathed into you divinity. He breathed into you his essence. He breathed into you everything that he was, and that will never be taken away. So your humanness, my humanness, as Don Keithley, gives a unique expression to my Christness. We, we all we're all different. We have different personalities. We have different likes, dislikes. We have little personality quirks. All that makes the body fit together. But every part of the body, the arms, the legs, the ears, the toenails, all, all the parts of the body of Christ contain divinity. They have to. If the, head is, if the head is divine, then every part of the body has to be a partaker of that divine nature. Now, here's where a lot of us miss it. Here's where a lot of us wash out. Here's where a lot of us give up. Here's where a lot of us absolutely quit, right? We, we, we see the mind of Christ. We, we want to walk in spirit. We want to function that way. We, we see, you hear what I'm saying about uh, authentic identity. You begin to embrace it. Uh, just when you think you have it, all of a sudden, that, that authentic identity is challenged, right? Something happens in your life the challenge to identity is anything that would try to pull you out of spirit back into flesh, that would try to pull you back into natural thinking based on what data the five physical senses can feed you, and then you live and make decisions out of that. The, the spirit is leading you now into the mind of Christ. Spirit is leading you into authentic identity, and the flesh is resisting that. The, the, the Spirit is teaching you to be responsive to, to, to his prompting. The Spirit is teaching you this because now you're living out of the mind of Christ. You're seeing with the eyes of the Father. Uh, you understand that you are Jesus in the earth today, that you, you, you have as much divinity. You're walking in everything that Jesus walked in. So now you're sitting at, at the stoplight. You got $10 in your pocket that, that's for your lunch. You're on your way to work. You got 10 bucks in your pocket. You know, at lunchtime, you're going to make a swing through uh, 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 Wendy's or McDonald's to pick up something quick to eat because you've got to get to an appointment. So you got the $10 set aside. It just happens to be all you have. And you're sitting at the corner at the stop sign, stoplight. And the Spirit of God says, the guy holding the sign, I want you to give him the 10 bucks. You sense that. What do you do? All of a sudden now there's, there's a tug of war that goes on between giving what the Spirit has prompted you to give and what your mind is saying is, what are you going to do for lunch? You didn't. You skipped breakfast. You were in a hurry this morning. You know if you don't eat lunch, you're going to get a headache. You're going to go to that meeting and you're going to have a headache. You better save the 10 bucks for yourself. See, that's, that's a challenge to your identity. Right? Most, most of the challenges to our authentic identity as divinity come in one of two forms. Either it comes in the way of money or it comes in the way of relationships. And the challenge, when it arises, lets you set back and measure where you're at on the road 
to manifesting as a son. It lets you measure your manifesting. The goal of the challenge, the goal of the challenge, and I'm going to say a little bit more about this in a minute, but the goal of the challenge is always to distract, disturb, or delay your development in sonship. When you come through scripture, this challenge to authentic identity is the, is the thread that you see through every great man and woman of God. It was Paul's thorn in the flesh. The thorn in the flesh was his challenge to his authentic identity. Was God's supply enough? Or should he try to take things into his own hands and get rid of this thorn? I personally feel that the thorn in Paul's flesh were the Judaizers that hounded this guy every church he went to. I think they, they were messengers of Satan, they, messengers of adversity, messengers of an adversarial force that came and bothered Paul, harassed Paul. As soon as he left town, they infiltrated the church, told the church you need to be circumcised. Paul's message wasn't an accurate. Paul was, was a false teacher. You need to do what we're telling you if you're going to be saved. I think that was Paul's thorn in the flesh. Moses' backside of the desert was his challenge to authentic identity. Early in the life of Moses, he knew he was a deliverer to the, to the children of Israel, to his people. And yet he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. And I'm sure all kinds of thoughts and, and challenges went through his mind. Look at Jesus. I want to look at Jesus because his identity, we just established it in Luke 3, right? At the baptism of Jesus, the voice, the consciousness said, you're a beloved son. You haven't done anything. No miracles, no signs, no wonders. That's not what I'm basing my love for you on. You're my beloved son. I'm well pleased in you. And as soon as that happened in Luke chapter 3, then in Luke chapter 4, his identity was challenged. His authentic identity as a son was immediately challenged. And it's, I'm going to read the first three verses of chapter 4 because I want you to see this. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he'd been baptized, identity established, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when he had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, then take these stones and turn them into bread. Do you see the challenge? If you are the Son of God, then I want you to turn these stones into bread. Right? That was the challenge to his identity. Every one of us are going to come through a challenge to our identity as divinity. It, it teaches well, it preaches well. But when the rubber hits the road, we've got to know who we are. And the mind of Christ will reveal and unveil it. But the challenge will come. Now watch the difference in verse 14. So in verse, the first three verses, and I'm not going to go through all, all of the temptations because that's not really the point this morning. The point is, I want you to see that it was the Spirit that led him into the challenge of his authentic identity. Then after he goes through all of that in verse 14 of the fourth chapter, verse 14, let me get down there. I got two pages really stuck here. He didn't stick when I was studying, there we go. Verse 14, it says, when the devil had finished every temptation, he left Jesus for a more opportune time. Now watch, verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. <clears throat> he returned in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit led him into the challenge, and he came out in the power of the Spirit. Other words, Jesus came out of the challenge 
different than when he went in. He was led by the Spirit in, came out of the challenge in the power of the Spirit. You don't come out of the challenge the same person that went into the challenge. Every challenge that you're facing, and look, it's not, it's not going to be just one time or two times. You're going to face a challenge to your authentic identity time after time on different levels, from different directions, the challenge will come. The whole purpose of the challenge is to distract, to delay your development in manifestation. The Spirit, the, the spirit will lead you into these. I'm sorry, the Spirit will lead you into these. But when you come out of them, and you listen to the voice that is within, you let that authentic identity rise within, you see through the eyes of the Father, you move by the mind of Christ, you will come out of whatever the challenge is in the power of the Spirit. You'll come out different than when you went in. So the challenge of your identity is custom made by the leading of the Spirit just for you. And it's that test that develops your testimony. I think I shared with you not long ago that the, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, why do you use so many uh, stories out of the Bible when you teach? And I said, well, they're all good stories. And they really illustrate the points I want to make. And the Spirit of God said to me, I believe it was the Spirit of God said to me, you have to read stories out of the Bible because you don't have enough of your own. What that was saying to me is, you need to learn to observe the tests that come to your authentic identity because out of those tests to your authentic identity comes your testimonies that become the life source that you can give and other people relate to it. You know, the three, they're custom made. The three boys were the only ones ever tossed into a fiery furnace and Jesus was in the furnace with them. Daniel was the only one that was ever thrown into a lion's den testing who, what God had said to him, his authentic identity. He came out of the lion's den. So out of, out of the mind of Christ, this authentic identity is established with your God-ordained purpose and beginning to surface. So, you know, this becomes something that's imperative. These first two steps are absolutely imperative. I'll, I'll be so strong as to say this. Until you get this issue of your authentic identity established firmly within you, and you, you know that you know that you know that your authentic identity is divinity. See, we've read 1 John 4, 17 for years. As he is, so are we in this world. You cannot be as he is in this world without a full assurance of your identity as divinity. You, until that happens, you don't have anything to manifest except human wisdom. You have nothing to manifest except the works of the flesh, human identity. See, religion has not wanted you to, to manifest as divinity. First of all, they didn't believe it was possible. They didn't, they didn't do it. They'd never heard of this. But religion, when you come out with this, religion is always going to be offended. I'll tell you right now, your friends are not, are not going to understand it when you, when you begin to walk this way. In, in John chapter 10, you can see religion's reaction to Jesus when he began to walk like this. John chapter 10 and verse 32, Jesus is speaking to the Jews because they picked up stones to stone Jesus. So Jesus said, I showed you a lot of good works from my father. He said, what, which of these good works are you stoning me for? The Jews answered verse 33 and said, look, it's not a good work that we're stoning you for, but you blaspheme. 
You're making yourself higher than you should. You're, you're becoming something you shouldn't be because you're a man and you're making yourself to be God. So Jesus said, has it not been written in your law? I said that you are gods. So what's going on with us in life today? I'll tell you exactly. Mind of Christ, authentic identity. We're, we're, we're moving toward the manifestation. We're, we're beginning to, to, to come out with what the pattern son Jesus demonstrated. And we're being pulled into another dimension. Divinity as identity creates a consciousness that allows you, like Jesus, to live in two dimensions at one time. In John chapter 18 and, and verse 36, I'm taking time to go through these verses because I want you to know I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just not making this stuff up. This is what God currently is doing. John chapter 18 and verse 36. This level of consciousness you're rising to, and again, grace has taken us here. Grace has opened the doors to an awful lot of understanding that we never had before. I'll realize that this is new for so many of you. Just give it time to cook. God is taking you somewhere. The life you're living is, is, is a life of intention. It's a life of focused intention that the Father has planted within you. And you just can relax and enjoy the journey. You don't have to try to make it happen. He's taking you exactly where you need to go. Watch this. John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. But he still lived in this world, right? He said, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I should not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. So Jesus was living in two realms at one time, right? He was living out of the kingdom, but he was also living on earth. Now, Jesus prayed this for you. John chapter 17, verse 15. John chapter 17, verse 15. He said, Father, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. For they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. For they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Jesus said, Father, don't take them out. Just keep them from the evil because they're walking in two dimensions. They are not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. They're living in the world. They're, they're, they're going through the motions of the world. They're going to work every day. They're raising their family. They're paying their bills. But really, their kingdom is not of this world. So what God's doing today is he's pulling, he's, he's pulling us out of the limitations of this world. He's, he's trying to get us to see a higher consciousness. And it's only out of that authentic identity as divinity that you can see that dimension. Religion has tried to keep you earthbound. It has done its best to keep you earthbound by making you wait for a rapture, right? All about rapture. And we're going to rapture you out of this. Or, or Jesus is going to come back, open up a can of whoop-ass on all your enemies. Everybody that's treated you bad, Jesus is going to come back, riding on a horse, tattoo on his thigh, big sword, and he's going to destroy all of the enemies and people that were adversarial to you. He's going to punish all your enemies. What's breaking forth, however, is a consciousness that is grabbing a hold of heaven and it's bringing it into earth. That's, that's what authentic identity as divinity does. The mind of Christ, seeing through the eyes of the Father, understanding exactly who you are. Uh, grace has, has led us into, into these revelations. Grace has led us into these things. So you've come out of the works of religion. 
You're, you've got that all in your rear view mirror. I, I've got no doubt about that. You, you've come out of the guilt, the condemnation, the fear, uh, all of the, you've gotten off the hamster wheel of accomplishment and never able to run fast enough to, to make the Father pleased with you. You got the revelation that it's no more about your due. It's all about his done and you're resting in that. And so two things have started to happen. You're beginning to think and see like you never saw and thought before. Your mind is opening up to ideas and thoughts and, uh, that never entered your little old religious mind back there when you were trying to be a good little boy in Sunday school. You might have been 50 years old, but you were still trying to be a good little boy in Sunday school and keep all the rules and, and do everything that you should do so God would be happy with you. Now all of a sudden you're starting to see you're a place taker of Jesus in the earth, that you are him uh, once again in flesh form. You're seeing and you're beginning to understand. And you're also beginning to see who God designed you to be, to be as he is. He's designed you to be. Verses like Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus, man. There, there was never a time, let me put your mind at ease. There was never a time you were not in Christ. When Christ came, became Jesus, you came with him. You made the trip. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one and verse four says that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 and verse 28 says that God made you in his image and his likeness and God's to let him have dominion over everything that is on the earth. That's authentic identity. That's all about authentic identity always being within the brace, being as he is. So you've begun to think and to live outside the former religious box that you were confined in. And you're enjoying the freedom, man. You're enjoying the breath of fresh air. You're enjoying the green grass. He's led you into, into the green pastures and you have sat down and you're munching and you're enjoying the freedom. You're enjoying the liberty. You're enjoying the revelation. You're enjoying the life that you're living. And all of a sudden now you're beginning to think, are verses like Mark eleven twenty three really now possible to me? When Jesus said, whosoever would say to this mountain, be thou plucked up and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that whatever he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. You're beginning to think, is that, see, that's, that's the authentic identity as divinity beginning to talk to you. Beginning to say, you know what? What's on the horizon for you? It's doing what Jesus did. It's doing what Jesus did. So this week, I'm, I'm just about where I want to be right now. I think I'm at a good stopping point. I'm not done with this point number two yet. But next week we'll cover point number two and point number three because there's one more thing that was added to the life of Jesus. And then I'm gonna, look, I'm gonna look at the ways that Jesus manifested that I will guarantee you by the end of next Sunday, which will be uh, uh, October the 18th, 2020. I'm gonna guarantee you at the end of the teaching next week that you'll click your phone or your computer off and you will walk out knowing that you are manifesting as a son of God, that you, can, that you can do what Jesus did. I will guarantee it. So we're gonna finish this up, but I want you just to go back and review these two points that we've covered. Number one, number two, I want you to, to just meditate on seeing through the eyes of the Father, getting the mind of Christ, moving to another realm, 
letting him tell you. I want you to sit down in a chair this week and just let him tell you, man, I'm pleased with you. I love you. You're a beloved son. Nothing you have to do to prove yourself. You don't have to jump through any hoops for me. I got you just like you are. I'm developing you. You rest in me. And that effortless change will continue to take place. Now, if you try to make it take place, you're going to set yourself back. You're going to move over and you're going to fall for trying to prove who you are. Jesus didn't prove who he was. He just spoke the word in that fourth chapter of Luke and said, I don't have to do that. I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what you live out of. Every word he speaks to you, you do it. Follow it along. Let's meditate and contemplate these things. Father, I pray right now that every person that has watched on the Digital Cathedral today, that this would sink deep into their heart, deep into their minds. Father, you're transforming our lives, and what a journey, what a trip it is. We wouldn't be at any other place at any other time than where you got us right now. Father, I pray your richest, deepest, best blessing and understanding and revelation to flow into the people that are watching today on the Digital Cathedral. You have a wonderful week, a blessed week, and know that as you go, he always goes with you. He never leaves you and he never forsakes you. See you next Sunday morning and don't forget when we're done next week, you're gonna be manifesting as a son of God. See you then.